but she's a truck driver. <laughs> Praise God. We're so glad for Sister Caitlin. Lord bless her as she comes to minister to us. Well, I can add that to my resume now. You know, things that you don't think that you will add to your resume in your life. Truck driver is one of them. But hey, now it's on there. I feel like I can join a convoy now, maybe. <laughs> no, it wasn't, it wasn't that big of a truck. I'm not sure it was it. Here we go. Wasn't that big of a truck, but we did make it, and the Lord was good to us. We came in on um, very little sleep, and the Lord kept his hand on us through traffic and all those wonderful things. Um, and he was good to us and kept his hand on us, and they are officially out. So it was a victory all around. Amen. Amen. And so we are excited. Now they have no reason to go back. Amen. Um, you know, in, in thinking about all that has been going on lately with the COVID situation and everything that is happening in our world, the Lord kept bringing me back to um, a, a sermon thought that he'd given me a while ago about our vision and how our eyes change. And I'm so thankful and happy to be here and see faces, to see real people. The puppets were a blessing, but they were not real people. <laughs> and the first time we saw them, we were like, oh, isn't that funny? And then it was also a little bit depressing because it was like, it's just not the same, is it? <laughs> um, and so I am very thankful to be here. I'm, I'm very grateful and this is home. And I am so glad to know that wherever I go, although this is where I live and this is my home, that so long as I am in his presence, I am home. And you can find his presence everywhere all over the world. With people who have a different life experience and background, his presence is the thing that unites us all. One name, one blood, one God. And I am so thankful to, for all of that. As you know, we are growing. It's not clicking. There we go. Now it's clicking. Apostolic legacy. So we are thriving. We are growing. We're continuing in the doctrine. We've heard pastors say it before. We've got a legacy. We've got a heritage and history that we're not just saying, oh, wasn't that great back then? We're continuing to develop it. And how wonderful it is that we have so many babies in the church and so many couples getting married in the church. That's awesome. That's growing apostolic legacy, amen? And so with that in mind, one thing that I have realized is that if you are going to have a legacy, you have a couple of options with what you do with it. You can either fix your eyes on the legacy and miss the future, or you can totally forsake the legacy and totally change your future. Or you can say, you know what? I'm going to walk with them both together. I have a legacy and we're moving it on ahead. So one of three options. And I don't know if you have listened to the news or seen the headlines. I don't listen to it. I don't make a goal of it. None of it's happy. None of it falls into Philippians of whatever is good and lovely and encouraging and uplifting. So I just don't do that. If you do, may the Lord bless you. Um, but none of it is nice. 
And it would be very easy to fix our eyes on what is happening in our world, whether it's with, well, COVID is on the uprise again. And, you know, what about the riots and the protests? And what about the injustice and the atrocities? And we can get so fixated on those things that we can forget that there's something bigger and greater at play. And so, not to gross out some people who have a thing about eyes, but eyes are amazing. Yes, they are. You can say that again. Yes, they are. They are absolutely amazing. 80% of what we learn comes from here. Now, I could stop right there and we could have a sermon on that old song. I don't know if you guys know it. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. 80% of what we learn comes from your eyes. That's amazing. That's astounding. The only thing more complicated in me and in you is our brain. Also amazing. For something so small, we can distinguish between 10 million different colors. That's a lot of color, y'all. I don't know if that blows your mind, but it blows mine. Because, you know, sometimes you tend to lump it in, well, that's red, that's green, that's... No, no. 10 million different colors. We can focus on 50 things per second. Per second. Right? This is mind-blowing. Detect a candle flame over a mile away? This is amazing. Right? It's the fastest contracting muscle in the body. So when they say in the blink of the eye, that's because nothing in your body moves faster than your eye. So this idea of fixing my eyes, if this is something that the Lord has spent so much time and investment in creative process in what we use to see, how much more so do we have to be deliberate on what we look at? And I'm not just talking in the physical of be careful little eyes what you see. But I'm talking in the spiritual too. Because as I said, it's so easy to look at the things that are happening in the world and have a response of, man, I'm afraid. And what, if, what if this is out of God's control? And what if this happens? And what if that happens? And, you know, it could happen here. And, and if it comes to my family, what's it going to do? And... and and before long, I've painted myself a narrative by what I see that may not be what God has wanted to show me in the first place. And why is this so important? We see in Revelation, the church in Laodicea, it said, look, the Lord is telling them, you've got good stuff. I've blessed you. You look at your riches, you look at all the good things and you say, I don't need anything good to go. I got everything I need. He said, you're lukewarm. How I wish you would come to me and buy ISAV at the bottom of that second verse that you may see. Well, they saw things pretty real. I think it was a pretty wealthy church. I think they probably did have a lot going on and they, you know, weren't, you know, necessarily from the other side of the tracks where the poor churches were. They were living high. And he said, you are pitiful. You're pitiable, pitiable, poor, blind, naked, wretched. He said, I wish you would start to see 
like I see. Because you've got stuff, but in your surplus of stuff, you don't need me. You've lost the sight to see that how much we need him. He said, I want you to buy from me. I want you to have that. Change your eyes. Fix your eyes. Psalms 135, 16 and 17, when talking about idols, says they have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Neither is there any breath in their mouths. All idols, we all know that. That makes sense. They take a piece of wood, carve a statue. Well, yeah, they have eyes, they have ears, they have mouths. They can't use any of them. But the scary part of that verse is they that make them are like unto them, so is everyone that trusteth in them. And this is a very encouraging word, isn't it? He said, when you build idols in your life of whatever that may be, you can lose sight of what God's done, what he's given. And well, what if, you know, I've always been healthy. And so if my health becomes my idol, what happens when I'm sick? Well, it's not, COVID's not going to touch me. I'm 31 and healthy and strong. Did you read the news article about the young man who was in his 30s who died from it? That was a long time ago, not recently. But within the past 10 weeks. You say, wow, I, I don't know how I feel about all this. He said, be careful what you build in your life and what you fix your eyes on and what you listen to and what you speak because it may be putting a block in your way to the extent that at some point you no longer see me. You can no longer hear from me. You can no longer testify about me because you've built something in your life. And I will tell you, it's easy to do because we're human. And I'm not talking about idols of, you know, well, it's the, the superstar, whatever, or the Buckeyes or the whomever. It can be things as, wow, I'm really busy. I've got 12 things to do and it's my job and I got to keep clicking and keep going. And you can work yourself into, did I talk to the Lord today? I don't know. I got I to gotta get back to that task because if I don't get it done, it's not going to get done. And if I don't get it done, somebody else is going to have to do it. And did I take some time? Nah, that's fine. Now, wait a minute. The last time I had a big test, he really helped me with that and he really worked with me. But if I don't knuckle down and study my guts out now, there's no way I'm going to pass this. What? You had a testimony. Well, he brought you through there, but now this one... Okay, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. It's too much. Proverbs says, Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Notice that. Keepeth. That's a verb. Verb is an action word. My class knows we love the verse James 1 and 22. Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So he's saying, look, Without a vision, the people perish. In the Amplified, it specifies what that vision is without a redemptive revelation of God. If I no longer am able to see, look what God has done for me. 
Look at his redeeming power in my life. Look at what he brought me through. Look at how good he's been. In the midst of where I am, look at my God. He said, if you don't have that redemptive revelation of God, we perish. And yet when you keep the law, when you operate within the boundaries of the relationship that he has given, when you're active in it, so much of what Brother David said today, when you are active in your faith, active in your God walk, he said, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. And why is this so important? And, and I will tell you, there are so many verses in the Bible about seeing and how we see and what we see and how that impacts and, and the chain reaction of fo focusing our eyes and fixing our eyes. And yet there's one story that I, I love and it, it resonates and it comes back to me again and again and it's this one in Second Kings. Because this is when Elijah has been taken. He's gone. He's no longer in the picture. Elisha, so the disciple of Elijah, is the prophet, the ultimate prophet, right? The it man of Israel. If you got a problem, you're the king, you call for Elisha, right? And the Syrian army and the Syrian king has been fighting Israel. And the Lord's been saying, this is what they're going to do. And so Elisha says to the king, this is what they're going to do. Go elsewhere over here. And so finally, the Syrian king gets so upset over the fact that it seems like there is a spy in the midst. He says, okay, which of you? You've done it. Who is telling the king of Israel everything? Now, what's amazing about that story is these Gentiles somehow had a notion of there's a man by the name of Elisha in Israel who's a prophet of God because they say, look, it's not us. The Lord is talking to this man and we're not telling him anything. Well, the next reaction, I think, is very human and very appropriate because the Assyrian king says, find him, I want him dead. And we see that come to a head in, in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 14 through 17. He says, therefore, sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. So the Syrian king said, I want you to surround this city where I know Elisha is. He didn't just send a few people to do a snatch and grab operation. He sent the whole shebang. He said, this is a big deal. This man is seeing and hearing things that are messing me up. I want him done. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Look at what's going on in our world today. COVID's on the rise. There are people rioting. There are protesters. It seems like there's no solution. What are we going to do? We're surrounded. Never in my life have I been in a time, and I think everybody else can speak to it too, to say, you know what, I'm just going to go on a vacation, fill in the blank, and feel like, okay, that's a, a place where what else is happening in the world where I originally was isn't going to touch me there. I used to say my go-to when work was stressful and I was ready for a vacation, I'm going to go to Spain. Well, guess what? Spain has Rona and riots. I can't go to Spain anymore. Well, I'll go somewhere else. Guess what? <laughs> they got Rona and riots. 
right? So we're surrounded by the spirit of the hour of what's happening. What are we going to do? It's easy to see that and get discouraged. And yet Elisha had an amazing response because I almost feel like, you know, when you wake, I'm not a morning person. So when you wake up in the morning and you're like, what are we going to do? And I haven't fully greeted the day. It's like, whatever. It'll, it'll take care of it. I don't know. Ask me in about an hour. I'm not, I'm not with you yet. Right? And I almost feel like that was Elisha's response. You know, he just woke up. His, his servant has greeted him first thing in the day with not good morning, master. Oh, by the way. No, it's what are we going to do about this major problem outside our door? And I just imagine Elisha with bedhead saying, why are you afraid? Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are against us. Notice that. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And the most amazing thing, he tells the servant, don't be afraid. Okay, let me just turn that switch off. But then he goes to God and he says, God, now you open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. And you know why I think to myself that Elijah was just kind of like, it's all fine and I'm not even worried about it and stressed about it? It's because in 2 Kings chapter 1, he had already had a chariot of fire experience. When his, his master, his teacher, his mentor was about to be taken from him and people kept saying, you know what, your master's going to go from you. I know, I need you to be quiet because I'm walking with him right now. Well, but aren't you aware he's going away and aren't you, a no, you need to be quiet. I know what's happening and I've already asked for my blessing and I know something's coming, but I'm sticking with the man of God and I'm not leaving no matter what. And, well, what are you talking about? Well, you know, and as the Bible says, as they were yet talking. As Elijah and Elisha were talking and in conversation, a chariot of fire whooshed in. And he saw it and he said, my father, the horsemen and chariots of Israel. And he was no more. And so as far as Elisha was concerned, I have seen this already. I've seen it take someone I love and carry him away where no one could find him. I know what these horsemen and these chariots of fire can do. You can't tell me that the Syrian army is bigger than what I've seen these guys do. You can't tell me that what this uh, man here on this world, even though he's got horses and chariots and there's no way out, you can't tell me that what he can do is greater than what I've already seen my God do. That's a change in vision. That's fixing my eyes. And what's so amazing about that is in Colossians, the Lord says, if you have been raised with Christ to a new life, thus sharing his resurrection from the dead, aim at and seek the rich eternal pleasure, treasures that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and set your minds and keep them on what is above, the higher things, not the things that are on the earth. In the Caitlin version of the Bible, fix your eyes on what's above, 
not on the things of earth. For as far as the world is concerned, you have died in your new life. Your real life is hidden in Christ. You say, what, what does that mean? I'm not talking about saying, oh yeah, there's Rona, but it's not real. It's fine. It's nothing. There, people actually aren't rioting and being in denial about where we are. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about turning a blind eye. I'm talking about fixing my eyes to say, you know what? There's stuff here. It's distracting. But the bottom line is he's got it under control. And I'm so focused on him and what he is doing because he's made some promises to us. He's made some very real promises. All things work together for good. There's no qualifier on that. There's no, so long as, you know, you are doing whatever and, and so long as the world is not in a pandemic and so long as he said all things work together for good. Not the things that you think should be working together for good or, or the good things only or maybe a few bad things every now All things to them that love God and are called according to his purpose who have their eyes fixed. Hebrews 12 and 2 says, Looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief, and it is also its finisher, bringing to it to maturity and perfection. He, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's the Amplified. In the NIV, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You say, what do you mean fixing my eyes on Jesus? When I'm so focused on him, the one who was focused on me, who when he was looking at the cross, what he was doing was seeing me. He was singularly focused. He said, I know what the cross means. I know what the pain is. I understand crucifixion. I understand beating. I, I know about the crown of thorns. I know all of this. And I know none of it's justified. I've done nothing wrong. But I tell you what I do see. I see the joy that's set before me. And what is that joy to be in relationship with Caitlin Showstrand in the year 2020? to be in relationship with each and every one of us. He said, I'm looking at you, now I want you to look at me. And what's amazing is that verse follows Hebrews 11, the whole chapter, which that whole chapter is full, it's the faith chapter. It's full of the champions of the faith who looking by and through faith and because of faith at impossible odds received and achieved the miraculous. And if you go on in those verses, what's, what's astounding with that is that you go on in those verses and it says, I want to I clarify for you what I mean by look to Jesus. Just think of him who endured the cross for, from sinners, such grievous opposition and bitter hostility against himself. Reckon upon and consider it all in comparison to your trials. So that you may not grow weary or exhausted, losing heart and relaxing and fainting in your minds. You know what? It's not good right now. There's a lot of crazy going on. But you know what? He endured for me. I'm going to endure for him. 
You know what? I haven't yet been beat with a cat of nine tails unjustly or justly. Thank God. I haven't yet had a crown of thorns pushed on my head. I haven't yet had to carry my own wooden cross and watch as the nails are driven into my hands and feet. I haven't yet had to endure all of that. But even if I did, I'm in really good company. Why? Because my eyes are fixed. You've not yet struggled and fought agonizingly against sin, nor have you yet resisted and withstood to the point of pouring out your own blood. That's all saying, look, focus here. Look at what you are seeing on this level and then look away from it because you've got something greater ahead. And, and the power of us fixing our eyes is that it isn't just, you know, the song, um, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, I want to see you and, you know, I want to fix my eyes on you. The Lord lets us have a part in that. It isn't just, okay, now you open my eyes, and so long as you are the one doing the eye opening, I'll be fine. He says, I want you, I want you, Caitlin, to fix your eyes on me, because when you fix your eyes on me, I'm going to fix your eyes. So that it's no longer what I see here. I don't see the riots. I don't see the COVID. I see opportunities for outpouring. I no longer see the, the danger and the fear and the trauma and the worry. And I see, this is a great place. The Lord's going to do a miracle here. You know, and what if it's not the miracle you expect? That's okay. He's still going to work a miracle. Why? Because I've been fixing my eyes for so long. He's been fixing my eyes. And the Bible says in another place in the New Testament, the more that you look at him, the more you are reflected on him. And the more that he shines out on you. He said, so keep looking at him. Look at him in the face. And we see it in Stephen. And it was an, it's an amazing story. Stephen, the first martyr, we all know it. Acts chapter 7, verse 53 through 60. Stephen is preaching to the church. Then at the time, it was the Jews. He was preaching to the Jews, to the Pharisees. And he, he was, you talk about under the power and the unction and the authority of the Holy Ghost. He was just giving them the word to them left, right, and center. You who received the law as it was ordained and set in order and delivered by angels, and yet you did not obey it. What was he saying? You received a God word by angels. If you, you received the word just the way that you would like it. The perfect delivery. I am not a perfect speaker. I don't know any preacher who is. Because we're all of us people, which means none of us are perfect. <laughs> and yet Stephen said, you got it direct from God. Divinely ordained angels. And it was perfect. And you still didn't do it. Well, I'll do it if that, if that preacher would just say it nicer. He didn't say it the way that I like it. And so that's not a word for me. I did not feel that from the Lord. That was for those other people who needed it. That was not for me. I know we don't do that here. That's in the South. 
But he said, look, you have to recognize there is nothing perfect. And if you don't come expecting a word, you're not going to get a word. And he said, now upon hearing these things, they, the Jews, were cut to the heart and infuriated. And they ground their teeth against Stephen. They were mad that he straight up called them out. Now, I can't blame them. I'd be mad if I was called out. You know, you had a divinely inspired word and you didn't obey it. Well, now I'm mad. Right? Or, hopefully... If I've got my Holy Ghost going, I'll be like, you know what? I didn't. I need to, Lord, forgive me for that. I didn't pay attention. I didn't realize I was off the mark. Help me. Fix my eyes. I started looking at one of the other 49 things per second, and I need to get back to looking at you. But he, notice, you say, how do I fix my eyes, Sister Caitlin? I, I don't know how. You keep saying, okay, well, you know, do I get a picture of Jesus and just stare at it all day? Do, what do I do? No, don't do that. I mean, if that helps you, sure. But that's not the point. Notice that. He, full of the Holy Spirit and controlled by him. The only way you can fix your eyes so he can fix your eyes is to say, full of the Holy Ghost. Because in the midst, when people were mad at him, and he gave them truth, and he did it beautifully, and he was trying to reach for him, and he was trying to say, come on, come on, you know, realize this is Jesus that we're, we're talking about. This is the Messiah. Come on, you know, walk with me. See what I see. Full of the Holy Ghost, when everybody was mad around him and about to stone him, he looked in heaven and saw the glory, the splendor. And majesty of God and Jesus standing at God's right hand. And he said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at God's right hand. He said, I see it. I don't see you angry mob around me. I don't see how upset you are. I see him. I see the glory of God. And I'm sure when he said that, if he had had the opportunity to say anything else, it would have been like, do you see it too? Please look with me. But they raised a great shout and put their hands over their ears and rushed together upon him. I cannot hear what you're saying. I don't like it. All that I need to do is stay full of the Holy Ghost and everything's going to be okay? That's no! Oh! what happened they rushed on him and they said no no that's out I'm dragging you out of the city they began to stone him and the witnesses placed their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul and while they were stoning Stephen he prayed Lord Jesus receive and accept my spirit and welcome my spirit and falling on his knees he cried out loudly Lord fix not this sin upon them lay it not to their charge and when he had said this, he fell asleep in death. And why did you, you, you had to go there, didn't you? To the end, to the depressing. When you fix your eyes on God, and you make him your focus, and him your goal, and him your desire, and I'm, I'm closing, musicians can come. He does change how you see things. To the extent that even when you're laying down your life, even when people are hopefully not stoning you in real life, but 
Even when people are doing you wrong, instead of saying, look at how they're doing me wrong, I'm being beaten to death here. You're still looking up and saying, you know what? Forgive them. Don't fix this to them. You've, you have so fixed me and fixed how I see. I still see you on the cross saying, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Wash them clean. And I will tell you tonight, if you will stand, and if you feel comfortable, you want to come or you just want to pray at your, at your seat. The more that we fix our eyes on him, he will fix your eyes and you'll begin to see more and more of the blessings of God in your life and you'll begin to hear more and more of the testimonies that God has and you'll be getting to hear more and more and see and do more because he's showing you more. Because the more you stay full of the Holy Ghost and the washing of the word again and again and again, he changes you from the inside out and you're not afraid about what's coming or you're not saying oh well look at all that I have and you're just saying look at all that I have because he is the fixer he makes all things new and if you need a touch from the Lord tonight I'm going to invite you to this altar if you say well I started looking at 49 other things I need to get back on the one now is it time? I'm going to pray. Bishop.